जयशिला गुरुदेव की जाय श्री मन महाप्रभु की जाय श्री हरि नाम प्रभु की जाय श्री श्री दाऊ जी गोपाल जी की जाय गोर भक्त वृंद की जाय गोर प्रमानंद प्रणाम टू ऑल ऑफ यू आई डोंट नो इफ यू लाइक टू आस्क अबाउट वॉर एवर एनी टॉपिक यू I like to ask about. <coughs> But today we were talking about um, the different types of yoga. Um, Shanghi had a question about the different types of yoga, and then that kind of sp- spurred me to sort of need a review of, um, uh, yeah, karma yoga, nishkam karma yoga. Gyana yoga, bhakti yoga, and how? And my question was, and I, I think I've had this uh, once. I thought about it for a minute. I think this question's come up before, but I, I don't necessarily remember the answer. Um, it seems to me that, at least the way that we talk uh, talk about bhakti yoga, a lot of times, it seems closer in some ways to the karma karma yoga path than the gyana yoga, but. Prabhu was saying that karma yoga is sort of a precursor to jnana yoga, and um, yeah. So we were just kind of. We were hoping, I was hoping maybe you could kind of review that. Mm. Those were my thoughts. <clears throat> well, it's a big, big topic, so I'll try to cover as much as we have time today. But <clears throat> yeah, basically, especially if we. You were also referring to the Gita, no? as a foundation, scriptural source of the different chapters. Actually, every chapter of the Gita is a, speaks of a type of yoga. Basically, every name of every chapter is yoga, something yoga, if you will, whatever. But generally, this idea of yoga is, yes, yeah, sometimes known as karma, jnana, bhakti, but sometimes. Yoga, Sangha comes also in the. So it's not something like definitive. These are the yogas, the three one, the four one, and you can speak about them as you like. But <clears throat> there is some flexibility in that connection. Of course, it's important to first of all understand the idea of yoga because all of these paths have the word yoga in them. Also, in karma yoga, gyan yoga, dhyan yoga, bhakti. So yoga means basically like. <clears throat> some type of link with reality no like linking with reality from a particular uh, perspective from a particular point of view and in some cases from a particular as we will say level of penetration into transcendence when we start to speak up from gyan yoga like onwards we'll speak about brahman paramatma bhagavan all these represent Uh, levels of penetration into transcendence. But for example, when we speak about karma yoga, so let's start about that. From that, <laughs> of course, someone spoke today also about karma kanda, but that's also some separate thing, if you will. There's not that much yoga there. <laughs> There's not that much interest in some link with reality, because generally speaking, at least karma kanda has more to do with seeing reality. Uh, with myself in the center, if you will, no? and seeing whatever is there to 
no? to be there to supply for my different unending desires. So I have this deva and that deva and that deva and all worship only to me, me, me. So karma yoga mm-hmm. is the first step, if you will, in, in this ladder in the sense of you are trying to to, to establish some other center. You are trying to to make this statement to yourself that I'm not the center. I'm trying to um, engage in my duty. I'm trying to first of all to recognize my duty, recognize my my place in the world, my nature. Try to that's not that easy, and try to uh, follow that. And not only that, of course, that's a level of karma yoga. Another level of karma yoga is, I'll do all that, I'll try to fit, if you will, into the from consideration, my psycho, psycho, psychophysical consideration, but on a higher, on its higher end, we are speaking about, I won't be attached to the fruits of what I'm doing. So I'm performing my duty, and the duty in itself is the fruit, if you will. I'm performing the duty is the fruit, and I don't want to do this for something else. That will be a, a refined form of what we call sometimes Niskam Karma Yoga. Ideally, Karma Yoga is Niskam Karma Yoga. Mm. Ideally. When, because if you pick up Sakama Karma Yoga, how much yoga is there? Mm. So, ideally, Niskam Karma Yoga is, is what Krishna means when he speaks about Karma Yoga in chapter 3. Now, try to, to follow your nature, try to do your duty. That's it. That's the, the level of teaching to Arjuna at that point in the Gita. Do your duty, but you we will see at the end of the Gita he is saying exact, exactly the opposite. <laughs> Leave your duties, Arvadharma Paritya. He's establishing there just the the foundation for bhakti proper. So in that sense, we start to realize, oh, it's, it seems similar as you mentioned. Maybe karma yoga and bhakti yoga seem similar, but when we take two instructions that Krishna gave in those contexts, karma yoga, do your duty, bhakti yoga, leave your duty. <laughs> so showing is not that similar. It, it seems, but it's, it's not that much. So, <clears throat> but karma yoga doesn't have to do yet with some uh, transcendent uh, goal, objective in mind. It has more to do how to how to deal in this world, how to move in the world without being entangled by action and reaction chain and and maybe you no know, in, in the context as Guru Maharaj said in the context of engaging in, in your duty, let's call in the Barnashram society, we are not in that society but the general sensibilities of that system are still there. There are certain natures that we can establish. You know? Although the other day I was thinking it's interesting because Krishna says in the Gita Chatur Barnam Mayashrisham Gunakarma Vivagosa I am the one who created this Barnashram system. So we may conclude, okay, if Krishna created that, it's something that is there forever, and those four uh, Barnas and Ashrams are there forever, from, from Anadi. <laughs> but at the same time, it, all that has to do with psychological nature, emotional disposition, and we know that that's in flux, and nowadays society and nowadays uh, conception of 
social groups and gen- genders and whatever is very different from from Vedic age, if you will. So there is some also flexibility. So we may say, yeah, generally speaking, these ideas are always there. You have the intellectual, you have the administrator, you have the, how do you say, the ones who work in commerce, Vaishas, <laughs> and the, the other, the, the should dress, the ones who are working, basically, with their body, let's say. Uh, but that's not so, like, that's the only four options you have. You know? See where you fit. <laughs> but in time, again, we're speaking about psychology. Psychology is psychic matter, so matter also is transforming, changing, so nature's changed. And, and that's why we don't have Barnashram society now, but also, even though we may try to, I mean, nowadays, for me, follow Barnashram and try to, yeah, to find your nature as much as you can make it fit with the old Vedic age, that is not fully possible, but you need still to have, as Gurma said the other day, a <coughs> healthy, healthy psychological ego. Mm-hmm. You have to transcend the metaphysical false ego, but in order to transcend it, you first have to have a healthy uh, psychological false ego. So that has to do with becoming balanced in the context of sattva and be someone in the world in a sustainable way. So, again, karma yoga has more to do with that, no? like moving in that area. And maybe in the context of that, again, in the traditional Barnashram system, some worships of the devas are here, ambition is also there. So some place for God is there, some bhakti, if you will, is there. But it's not bhakti as we conceive it of it, no? Uttam Bhakti as proposed by Srila Rupa Goswami, which is Jnana Karma Adhyana Britam. <laughs> so, again, Karma Yoga is not, sometimes it's not mentioned in, in, in the transcendent yogas, because again, at that level, you are not very concerned about a transcendent goal, but mainly concerned about how to properly establish yourself in the world. And maybe a devotee, not maybe, for sure, <laughs> a Bhakta has to also have concern with that, but with a transcendental goal in mind. So that's the difference. Externally, karma yogi, bhakti yogi may be engaging in the world and trying to follow their nature and do their duty and not be attacked, but one has in mind a super-transcendental, super-subjective goal as such as Golok, and the other one is not considering any, any of those things at all. So karma yoga has to do with as Guru Maharaj will present in his Bhagavad Gita with uh, like acquiring certain adhikar for transcendence in the way of engaging in your duty, not being attached to its result, and that will create certain purification of the heart. So that purification will in itself bestow what we may call jnana. And in that sense, jnana is mentioned also after the karma yoga. So like some natural type of knowledge that comes from... The point is the following. Karma Yoga ideally, or Barna Ashram system, whatever we are speaking, has all to do with ideally with Sattva. Try to locate yourself in Sattva. So what does Sattva mean? That is important to connect with the idea of Gyan coming from Karma. Sattva means... Sat means existence. And Sattva... 
Thomas Sanderson will know better than me how to explain this, but the twa in Sanskrit, I, I, I don't know, it's like ness. No? Like satwa will mean like beingness. No? That word must not be in the dictionary, but I think you follow the term. So beingness. So satwa means like that you are you reach such a level of balance that you get to you get a glimpse of yourself as an atma. I mean sattva has to do Guru Rasa explained that many times, but we call self realization is more connected to the idea of sattva or seeing yourself as a soul or, or entering in touch with the reality of Atma, which naturally will give some to- some type of, of knowledge, of revelation. So this Karma Yoga ideally is taking us from the world, from the lower, if you will, part of the world, Tamas Rajas, to the like the horizon of Sattva from which you can have a glimpse of the soul and hopefully the potential of the soul. So that's what sometimes is called as gyan, as a result of karma. You engage properly in your duty, purification came, sattva was mainly established, and, and the influence of sattva is, Krishna said in Bhagavad Gita, giving that of knowledge and, and happiness. Because again, you are having a glimpse of yourself, so that's quite uh, joyful. And some knowledge is there, gyan. So gyan generally has to do a, a very preliminary level of gyan will have to do with yourself, the soul. Of course, the gyanis, official gyanis, will go after Brahman. That's another level. From the Atma, if you have Atmananda, you will go to Brahmananda. Uh, <clears throat> but again, no? some sort of gyan, in this case knowledge, will refer not to some theoretical thing that you are putting in your head, but you, pure, you clean your heart, naturally something will come. So you clean your heart in the context of doing your duty. Naturally, you will get closer and closer to who you are. You become a balanced, conditioned soul. (laughs) And your false ego, psychological false ego, is properly in Sattva's Guru Mahesh will say your horizontal development is in place. So you start to to acquire some adhikar for the vertical development. You, You got a glimpse... Uh, by the grace of sattva, of who you are as an atma, knows no as gross or psychic matter, but it's a soul. So that's what we call jnana. And some people, of course, may have that glimpse of jnana and may want to do something with that glimpse. Uh, well, some people may join the jnani school <laughs> no? because they may feel, okay, I saw the atma, but even I would like to turn this insight so they may join the the group of Sankar. Of course, this is not happening, as you as you know. It's not that you have to be part of a karma yoga school and then you join Sankaracharyas, Parampara, and then no, it's not like this. But sometimes it can happen. If you want to speak of each of these levels of yoga as some sequential... Uh, it seems that Krishna is presenting that in some level, no? like this, 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 but it's not necessarily that you have to go Someone asked, I don't know, Prabhupada, someone, Urmash quotes that, okay, I agree that Mahaprabhu's gift is the, is the topmost, but first you should go to the, through the no, compassion of the Buddha and the sacrifice of Christ and eventually conclude. Parambiyate, Sri Krishna, Sankirtana. Prabhupada say, you t- if, if you tell me when, where Mahaprabhu is saying that, I mean, where he's saying, okay, for coming to me first, you have to, 
become a Buddhist, a Christian, and eventually go to Vaishnava. <laughs> so it's, it's, that's not necessarily the way, but if you want to speak in those terms, this yoga, and from this yoga you go to this part, and from that part you can... I mean, there's a way to do that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that <clears throat> it has to be like that. So, <clears throat> in one sense we speak of jnana in those terms, you know, like the natural experience that we have of ourselves when the, the heart is... Is, is free or clean on some level from the influence of rajas and tamas. Some light is coming, some knowledge is coming, some insight is coming. So that, that's what we call jnana. We don't call that bhakti because it doesn't have to do with bhakti yet. To, to just see your soul not doesn't necessarily mean bhakti. Even though, again, as we say, maybe some bhakti was there in your performance in Barna Ashram and that was like the active principle that allow you to be successful in Barnasram and eventually have a glimpse of yourself as a soul, etc. But you know that mainly bhakti will come by from other source. So, well, when we speak of, of jnana as, as a yoga, as a practice, that has more to do with the school of Advaita Vedanta, jnana yoga. Although Krishna, the Bhagavad Gita, speaks of, of jnana yoga, but he's not speaking about no? realize that you are Brahman and that's all. No? So that's also interesting no? because if nowadays you speak about Gyan, the school of Gyan, naturally we'll go to Advaita Vedanta. But when Krishna is speaking about Gyan in the fourth chapter of the Gita, he's, I don't know, saying, speaking so many things in that fourth chapter. No? He's saying, speaking about his descent and Paritranaya, Sadhunam, I coming for my sadhus and Tadbidi Pranipatena approach a guru in this way, render seva, Tadbidi Pranipatena, if you really want to know the truth, etc. No? So, so he's really speaking from a particular devotional perspective there. <clears throat> but of course, he's open also to consider the possibility of someone to uh, having the desire to merge with the Absolute. That's an option. Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavanity, Shabdhiti. I mean, we have no problem with that because we know that sometimes Gurudev Vaishnava had been a little bit like, uh, I don't know, like punk rock regarding Advaita Vedanta. <laughs> so, <laughs> you want to merge into Brahman? I will merge my hand you to your face, basically. <laughs> Hear my arguments. <laughs> Okay, preaching, preaching strategies, certain type. Okay, okay, we accept that. But I think now it's time for updating that discourse. So, um, again, for us, Gyan is very different. In, in the devotional context, Gyan more will have, have to do with Sambanda Gyan, what we call Sambanda Gyan, which is actually a part of Bhakti. It's not Gyan in itself. No? But when we speak about Gyan Yoga, Again, not considering what Krishna say, but what is generally known, Gyan Yoga has to do with uh, with the particular school of Advaita Vedanta, where you have to start from the very beginning with certain standards, as Urmas also mentioned, like sannyas and Bhairagya and Brahmacharya, like this. And specifically studying Vedanta in the particular way and not being emotional, not singing, not chanting, not doing those weird stuff, but just sit in a very sober way and study these very cryptic, cryptic aphorisms like Tatlamasi and Soham and Aham Brahmasmi and 
and realize eventually there's not Brahma Satya Jagamidas as Sankar say, no? Only Brahman is real, do everything else is false. So that's a very particular perspective, Gyan Yoga. <clears throat> Again, from our perspective, Gyan Yoga means if you want to connect in a sequential in sequential steps, Karma Yoga brings this purification, you have a glimpse of yourself and Gyan coming, your soul is uh, showing, starts to show itself in sattva, sattva again, sattva beingness. Uh, so it's a state of perceiving your own existence as a soul. <laughs> so naturally, you want to to turn that. So we could speak in, in Gyan Yoga, devotional or theistic terms, in the sense of okay, you you have to do something with that Gyan Yoga. We may speak in terms of introspection, no? instead of Acting and acting and acting more in the world, you start to retire from the world. And that's why after the Gyan Yoga chapter comes the fifth chapter called Karma Sanyas Yoga, which means which speaks about renouncing the action. In other words, again, turning into introspection. Start, stop moving in the world and trying to move more and more in the world of, of that soul that we had a glimpse of through introspection and, and, and from that we connect with the next chapter which is the sixth one who is, which speaks about Dhyan um, Yoga or, or Yoga proper sometimes what we call Yoga refers to this Dhyan Yoga which also is called sometimes Ashtanga Yoga but what, what in western world is called Ashtanga Yoga is not Yoga it's not Ashtanga Yoga <laughs> At least in Argentina or South America, people promote the Sangha Yoga classes, and it's only asana section. It's the only the eight steps, only asana. I said, but if Jama Nijama, the school will be closed immediately. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear Jama Nijama. Just give me asana. You see, asana, asana is much more powerful and dynamic postures than Hatha. Where does it say? No? So that's their own idea of Ashtanga. So. So Ashtanga, as you know, is a very systematic procedure, mainly online, outlined by Patanjali in his Yoga Sutras, although Krishna is speaking about that in, in the Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter, general terms. Uh, so, again, in, in Karma Yoga, you purify your heart, you get a glimpse of Jnana, if you will, of your soul. In the fourth chapter, you further... Uh, go deep into that introspection by trying to culture that yan somehow or other ideally with the guidance of the guru and that introspection takes you even to a more retired situation from the movement of the world this fifth chapter speaks about that in, great, in big part from the considering the impersonal context no? in fifth chapter Krishna speaks a lot about Brahmanirbhanam Lavante, Brahmanirbhanam and many verses speaking about attaining Brahmanirban, the term says it all. You know, like it means like yeah, liberation in Brahman, basically. <clears throat> so he's considering again the possibility of some monistic approach to reality. But eventually he continues and he says, Okay, you, you get retired from the world, you try to culture introspection and, and there we found this yoga practice which really it speaks all about Meditation, actually. And that's why the chapter, instead of being called Ashtanga Yoga, which is still a generic way of... It's called Dhyan Yoga. So Dhyan Yoga is the, 
it's interesting because it's the seventh stage of Ashtanga Yoga. It's the penultimate practice before basically Samadhi. So the idea is, actually Ashtanga Yoga has to do with with meditation, not with power asana practice or hot yoga or whatever they like to call it in Western countries. <laughs> no? So, and it's also it's, the idea of meditation is important because also in, in the world sometimes people say, okay, I want to learn how to meditate. And according to the traditional school of meditation, first you have to go through six stages before reaching actual meditation called Dhyan and eventually Samadhi. First is yama, yama, asana, pranayama, pratyahara, dharana, dhyana. And somebody. <laughs> so, and as Krishna describes in the sixth chapter, you know, the life of the yogi, the life of the meditator, is a very reclusive one. And, but also it should be balanced. Interestingly, he again invoked this idea of be balanced. It's not that you only were balanced in the dynamics of, of the world in your social engagement. You obtain some sattva and you now go to the forest and become totally dysfunctional in your cave. <laughs> but balance is a, a necessity in every practice, whatever. No? So even in, in, in Bhagavad Gita, he said the yogi should be um, uh, yeah, balanced in, in his eating, his sleeping, and even in his recreation. So one may wonder, what's the recreation of a yogi? So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is fun, and the fun, I don't know, I will say funny way, but realistic one. <laughs> he says in, in one of the purple, well, recreation of the yogis, he will stand up and have a walk for five minutes and go back to his seat and continue meditation. <laughs> because, I mean, he's living in the jungle in 1K, and it already has been described, you know, this, like, skin of a tiger as the seat, and like this, and, which recreation is there? There's no Netflix nearby or whatever. <laughs> so, recreation will be, he will open his eyes, he will look for, you know, to the landscape for five minutes, hear some birds stretch some hands and legs and go back. So, <laughs> that's his Netflix, if you will. <laughs> but again, for, the, for that type of person, that's recreation. Maybe for us, for us that's torture. But for that person's recreation, <laughs> so we should be able to find our level of recreation. And of course, as you know, as the context of bhakti, we have very user-friendly ways of recreating ourselves. Of course, that's not an excuse for <laughs> justifying whatever in the name of being balanced in the context of recreating myself in bhakti. <laughs> but you should be sincere at the end of the day. That's the most important thing. But eventually, as you know, in this sixth chapter, and I, you were speaking about that also, and that's the point Krishna wants to make to, in order to make full circle. And he has been describing all these different types of yoga from karma to jnana and dhyana. And uh, eventually, before entering into the second set of chapters, six chapters, intermediate six chapters of the Gita, he ends the sixth chapter because he was speaking about meditation. So, but it's important to try to connect everything, no? Like, you develop, you engage in the world. If you did, do it properly, that will take you to another world, to have a glimpse of another world. You will spend some time culturing introspection into that direction, and that will give a, an interesting uh, taste that you will re even further, re may be further retiring from the world and entering more and more wanting 
really absorption and concentration, absorption, and eventually samadhi. So when he speaks about samadhi and trance, and, and one may hear that and say, wow, this is the goal, and Krishna will say, okay, but there is something more. <laughs> we are speaking about the yogi, and again, the yogi who only recreates by walking in five minutes, you may feel that person is like a, yeah, like a superhuman, whatever. That's a topmost thing. And he says, no, but there is someone above that. Above the karma is the jnani, above the jnani is the yogi, above the yogi is the bhakta. So he, he, in the last two verses of chapter 6, he gives this like hierarchy, like ending in the climax of this first section, which is the last verse, very last verse, yogi nama pisarvasama. <clears throat> so there he's, he's speaking there about yoga, he there speaking about absorption, about trance, but a very particular type of yoga, trance and absorption, which is a devotional one. And he says, yukta tamumataha, yukta means linked with me, he's speaking about someone who is linked with him. Remember, you are speaking about linking every every chapter. Yoga, 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 link, link, link. So he ends his like yoga dissertation, if you will, in this first six chapter by establishing the topmost type of linking. According to my opinion, Krishna is saying. So one of the names of Krishna is Yogeshwar. So if you want to know about yoga, you should hear about from Yogeshwar. <laughs> the king of Yogeshwar. <laughs> Another name of Krishna is Yogeshwareshwar. No? So if, if Yogeshwar is not enough, <laughs> you have Yogeshwareshwar. <laughs> king of kings. Of yoga and whatever mysticism is there, available. So he says, Yogi Nama Pisarvasam. From all, of all the yogis I have till now described, because Karma Yogi is a, is a type of yogi, if you will. Gyan Yogi, Dhyan Jogi, Rastanga Jogi. Hmm? So he's he's making, preparing his argument. That's we, we have to understand everything in context. No, Prabhupada Prabhupa used to say, no, when someone he was speaking to someone, someone say, I Prabhupada will ask, did you read Bhagavad Gita? Have you read it? And the person say yes. And Prabhupada will ask, you know, no, no? <laughs> okay. What's you the conclusion? What's the conclusion? Uh, of the Bhagavad Gita. And so the person say, oh, I was not even aware that there was a conclusion. Mm-hmm. I just read the Bhagavad Gita and, okay, you make some cherry picking about which process you like the most, which is your favorite yoga. Oh, five chapters, second chapter. But actually, if you learn Bhagavad Gita from Gita Bhakta, <laughs> you will be able to understand there is a context. There is a content, but there is a context. And Krishna is making an argument by presenting this thing and after this thing and there's some like momentum he's reaching some climax and different sections all the things are there but you need a guru to tell you all those things I mean you won't take the book and oh this verse no no way so Krishna in this last verse of the sixth chapter is saying that my opinion is that from all yogis I have already described I, I, he already described all possible types of yogis how is that person who takes shelter in me, who abide, abides, abides, abides. in English, abides in me, hmm? 
uh, who worships me, bhajate bhajan, who performs bhajan to me, shradhavam, possessed of, possessed of, right? Is in English? Possessed of shradha, a particular type of faith, not just faith. We call shradhan, ideally shastra, shradhavam. That's another thing. So a person who is a bhakta, basically, he's saying, my devotee, that person is the highest yoga, the one who is worshipping me. So he's speaking about absorption. Yoga has to do with... He was just speaking about meditation, trance. So he say, okay, here you have a very particular type of trance and meditation. He's worshipping me with full faith, in a loving way. He's absorbing the whole uh, emotional range of, of uh, yeah, a whole realm of emotions directed to me, and according to my opinion, Krishna is saying, he's the topmost. End of the chapter. <laughs> and, you, and from that on, as you know, start seven chapter and start the whole middle section of the Gita, sixth chapter, where Krishna is mainly speaking about bhakti. So he presented bhakti and bhakta are the topmost. Okay, now let's speak about the yoga of the Gita, the real yoga. And at the end he tries to repeat what he said before in the last six chapters and reaching the conclusion, as you know, he again mentions the conclusion of the Gita, Sarvadharma, and he mentions this, this verse that is considered by most the most important verse of the Gita, which appears twice in the Gita, right in the middle and almost at the end, 934, 1865, Exactly almost the same verse. Man manabhava mad bhakto mabhyahi mam namaskuru mame vaisasi satyante pratyane piyosime or maya vaisasi yuktaivam atmanamat parayana. Some little difference in the last line, but it's the same verse. And it's almost exactly at the half of the Gita, just double of that, it's there again. So, and of course, Krishna there is saying, is inviting ourselves to become. To understand in, in, in detail what does it mean to be a bhakta, man mana. First of all, your mind to me. Well, just, that's a type of absorption. I mean, meditation has to do with what to do with my mind. No? So Krishna is saying, "Give me your mind to me." <laughs> that's the best thing you can do with your mind. In the context of loving me, of worshiping me, man mana bhava man bhakto. Become my devotee. <coughs> in that context, give me your mind to me. No? So. <clears throat> So basically, that's what I could say as an attempt of brief answer to your to your question. Of course, bhakti yoga is is the real topic of the Gita, and as Guru Maharaj very nicely and revealed in, in his commentary, not only bhakti yoga in generic terms, but even in more, in more detail, Braja Prem is the uh, like un, underlying um, issue when Krishna is speaking about bhakti. I mean, when Krishna is speaking about any yoga, bhakti is the, the underlying principle. He's speaking of, about bhakti yoga by way of contrast, by speaking about something else, but every, always he's speaking about yoga. And in a more underlying sense, he's speaking about a particular type of bhakti yoga that will take you to Braj. So that's the underlying of the underlying of the, of the Gita. And all those things are there, like present in the text. Well, again, we need some good guidance to be able to extract those those jewels. So, again, some people may join one school and 
become satisfied there, some other may just jump from one to the other, eventually reaching this and that. But there's different options. But regarding objectives in transcendence, that starts from Gyan Yoga, no? Corresponding objective is Brahman. As you know, Ashtanga has more to do with Paramatma. But yes, with Bhagavan. <clears throat> what else? Some brief words. If I did, yeah. Which were, oh, I don't know even which was the, the exercise. Don't, I, I told you about it and then you said, you remember here, he invited the people from our Sangha to write about the first canto of the Bhagavatam. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you did? No. Oh, okay. no. I was going to ask you about that. Though. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my news about that. I didn't do it. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> What would you have done if, if you had? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a valid question. It's based on presupposition. And the thing. <laughs> I'll try to do it, and after that, you can ask the question. <laughs> uh, but there may be a follow-up to to this topic, um, because I'll, uh, you mentioned that one does not have to, you know, first be in Varnashram and then do. Karma yoga and then do, but but uh, Guru Maharaj mentions that we we should see that we are getting the results from all of those within the practice of practice. Yeah, yeah. If you could say something. Yeah, of course. It. Yeah, I just mentioned something brief, but not in detail. As you say, I say like for example, we as aspirant sadhakas nonetheless have to see our uh, faults. Well, how is psych, uh, psychological false ego imbalance? So that's part of what we may call karma yoga or barnashram. But we have to do that, mm. even though we are not karma yogis officially. But mm. that ingredient has to be in place in our practice. So, of course, by extension, uh, as Yamananda asked, uh, whatever we 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 may we may be able to find in all of these practices, be it. Uh, sattva or nirgun knowledge or atma realization of meditation I mean all of them <coughs> will be present in, in bhakti but in a particular way not in the very same way of in these other paths and apart from all of those elements being present in bhakti in a particular way in bhakti we will find some <coughs> extra features if you will no? So, yeah, as as we mentioned, in Karma Yoga, we will try to be a healthy member of society and be balanced in in our psychological and emotional makeup. And that's a very important thing. And sometimes it's under, how do you say, underestimated or under-stressed. Understated. Yeah. It's not enough spoken about. Because that's a very fine line, because we belong to a very, let's say, very refined theistic school so we may become really entangled (laughs) in the superiority of our lineage if you will and we may really feel 
I mean, even from a healthy side, of course you can feel I'm better than anyone that's very gross. But in more subtle way, you may feel, oh, there's so many nice things to know about here and to realize, and I want to go deep into that, and there's such a prospect in the Gaudiya horizon, and that's real. But that's not an excuse to no, no work on your own psychological garden, if you will, no? Because you may still need to have in place some, whatever, emotional issues, financial issues, family issues, childhood issues not resolved yet, and sometimes in the name of transcendence, you are actually being evasive <laughs> and non-transcendent, actually. Because actually transcendence, as we, I think we spoke some day, at least for me, transcendence doesn't mean to neglect something, but to integrate. Whatever is there is being integrated in the higher synthesis in the next stage that we have transcended to. So it's important to, to have those things in place, because, of course, as, as we were speaking the other day about this... Uh, delusional disorder series <laughs> present in the Vaishnava community sometimes, no? so that may be very easily mistaken with Abadut-like symptoms. No? And some devotees really freaking out. And you say, oh, wow, I didn't realize he was such a Newton Bhakta, ecstatic devotee. I must commit so many offenses by thinking he should need to take therapy. And actually, he needs therapy. He's not an Abadud, he's not Uttam Bhakta, he's going mad. <laughs> he's a good person, maybe, but he needs some, whatever, assist, professional assistance, no? And sometimes, it's not enough to say, Prabhu, chant your rounds and everything will be solved. And chant and be happy. And I mean, that's good intention, but sometimes we need some other, more relative devices. In the service of Bhakti, so there's no problem. So... For me, that's a whole issue in community terms that's very necessary everywhere, no? To be properly human, as Guru Mahārāj spoke the other day, I mean, in order to enter into Brahma, we have to be fully human. And of course, the point is, the ideal found in Vrindavan is the perfection of humanity, or as he will declare, divine humanism. <laughs> and in order to divin divinize, no, to make our humanity divine, <laughs> no problem. In Spanish, it's divinizar. That's why uh, it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. So that's a very like to be a sadaka is a very fine line between being human and being transcendental. Because I mean, to be fully human doesn't mean that I will accept all my uh, animal passions, if you will, and be fully human. That doesn't mean be fully human. That doesn't mean be fully animal, basically. <laughs> be fully human is Golok, but you cannot just jump into Golok and be a Brajavasi in a natural, immediate way. So how to deal with those two polar opposites, if you will? Not opposites, of course, no, but how to be properly human and from there understanding that transcendence implies being human when in its most, most perfect stage. So I think that if we do not learn to be properly healthy human beings, we, we won't be able to grasp the real spirit of, of being a Brajavasi, if you will, not be a fully human and transcendent at the same time. So, so before trying to become a super, a super devotional superhero, <laughs> we should try to become a devotional human being. Also, 
because if not, I've seen so many experiments of super <laughs> superheroism and Gaudiya Vedanta and the superhero and sensibility or something like that. <laughs> so, so in that sense, that should be part of the consideration in the context of bhakti. Even though we say bhakti is beyond Barna Ashram and transcends everything, yes, but where am I in the context of bhakti? So, and I can use everything in the context of bhakti, and in that way, that will help me to transcend. So the same applies to whatever may come from the goals that we hear about from jnana or yoga. I mean... We can learn important things. Maybe it's not that mandatory that everyone has to study the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, but you can derive interesting benefits from that regarding, I don't know, your your japa, regarding concentration and meditation. It's not that it's all useless, not because it's not bhakti. He's speaking about whatever, a mechanistic practice, and there's not rasa there. <laughs> so... We should be open to extract, no? uh, and, or, or to ba- basically to see how those very principles manifest in the context of bhakti. There is a place for meditation, there is a place for being human, there is a place for knowledge, there is a place for introspection. Jnana is very characterized by introspection. There is a place for introspection in bhakti. Jnana has renunciation and, uh, at its core. There is a place for renunciation in bhakti. For, it, for everyone, a particular type of renunciation, of course, that we may call Yukta Varagya, but what's that about? So, yeah, it's very nice to discover and, and to see how Bhakti, in one sense, integrates all these other paths and actually represents the natural highest synthesis and climax of, of all the yogic uh, landscape, if you will. No? But, and in that way, I think that will help us more to also appreciate the practitioners who may be in other levels, if you will, or schools of of yoga, and <coughs> we are really doing that properly. I mean, someone may be really seriously embracing Ashtanga yoga. And that person may be more serious than how serious we are in embracing bhakti. So there's those things are there also. No, so we shouldn't be just like, yes, but I'm a higher in a higher path. So eventually, I will be in a higher place than him. That's not the idea. No? So if you, I don't know, if you hear about from like a Krishna Macharya, who was oh, he was a Vaishnava actually, but he was an Astanga yogi at the same time. So you can learn that. I was studying the other day a little bit the, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Many interesting things there you know, about mind and psychology and and all. But the point is how to connect those things. How do they like? Um, Resound? No, resound. No, like echo. Yeah, echo, echo in my practice, in my own practice of bhakti. Because if not, it's just I'm not really making that part of my bhakti practice. <clears throat> so everything can be made part of, of my bhakti practice. Of course, we have this varupsi, the bhakti practices that shouldn't be replaced by anything else. <laughs> But we have Sangha Siddha Bhakti, Arup Siddha Bhakti, some other things that we can do and somehow or other make them part of our devotional uh, project. But gradually, it's not so easy to make everything part of my Bhakti. We we have to develop some capacity for that. (laughs) So in the beginning, we may be a little bit more like 
cautious and apparently narrow-minded in order to protect ourselves from ourselves. You know, just not to say, okay, I will go to the cinema and see whatever movie, but I will extract such an insight from that that I will really nurture my bhakti, hopefully. But that's not necessarily true. So at least try to be honest with yourself because yeah. also you can enter into a whole movie of <laughs> cheating. Oh, this will be part of this. Bhakti, 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 bhakti. Yes, and you are eating whatever. And and you are not really taking the time to to think for your, to, to be introspective. Am I really doing this for the for improving my bhakti? If not, well, at least recognize that openly. You know? <laughs> If not, well, try to sincerely grow and develop that capacity of all-embracing capacity of seeing everything in the context of bhakti, because that's the potential. As Gurmara says, Sambandha Gyan implies to understand how everything, everyone and everything is connected to Krishna. And, and Abhideya is the natural result of that. I mean, when you see everything is connected to Krishna, the natural result of such a vision is you want to act as if everything is connected to Krishna, because it is. <laughs> so that's what we call bhakti. Abhideya is bhakti. So bhakti means I'm moving in my life in the world with the understanding that everything is connected to its source, including me. So in those terms I try to act, I try to move, I try to do whatever I do. Of course at the beginning you, we may have that idea in a theoretical level, sometimes we forget. <laughs> But eventually that becomes more of a of a vision, all pervading vision and everything really. As we're gonna say, the world becomes alive and starts to speak to us about our our source, as Mahaprabhu said in the third stanza of Shikshastakam, looking at the grass and the tree and and seeing a guru there, seeing that oh everything is reminding me about Krishna, everything has Krishna at its root, as he himself talked a Sanskrit grammar teacher. Every Sanskrit word, everything. First of all, it's the name of Krishna. First of all, it's designating you know, the, the universal source. And after that, refers to something else in connection with the, with the source. So whatever thing is there, first it's speaking to us about Krishna, and after that, about the thing connected to the Krishna, the source. You know, so, yeah, rather we we should be awakening in those, in all those terms. No? <clears throat> okay. I think we are already in time for the party, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty close. <laughs> okay, I think so we can leave here, and if there are any other questions, we maybe speaking these days. So. Thanks so much for all of you. Srila Gurudev ki jai, Sri Man Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Sri Sri Dauji Gopal ji ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Primanam Hari Gaur.